The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. Jesus, thank you so much for your great love for us. Unending, unconditional. We don't have to do anything to earn it, and we don't deserve it, and yet you give it. And so we pray, God, that our hearts are open to receive it, and that as we receive your love, we love because you first loved us, and you would go out and share that love with this world so desperately they need to know that you love them. So show us our role as a family, as a church family, as ambassadors, missionaries, loved ones called and sent by you. In your name we pray. Amen. Around the world today, over 2 billion people will gather for a church service. That's a pretty big number. Bigger than the uh, the, the nation, uh, bigger than China, bigger than India. Um, in America alone, over 120 million will attend a church service. That's more than all the sporting events combined. The church is a big deal, and it's very important for a number of reasons. And today we're going to dive in. We're going to pause our regular scheduled program. I know that disappoints some of you. Tariq is a little sad that I'm not preaching through John chapter 9 today. We will return to the book of John in January. So the rest of November and December, we're going to focus on our role as a church family, what the scripture tells us, and we want this to be a season that we're calling Welcome Home. Welcome Home, and we are family. How many of you love that song? We are family. I can't sing, but you probably like it if you heard the real one. So we want that to be the theme, the message. We want you to reach out to those who aren't here and let them know that we want them to feel welcome. We want them to be a part of what's going on. And the church is a big deal. The church is not something we go to, though. A couple things you need to know that the church is not. The church is not a building. A lot of times people say, well, I'm going to go down to the church. Well, sure, there might be buildings that host parts of the church, but the building is not a church. The building is not an organization. I mean, the church is not an organization. It's not... Um, it's a people, a definition, simply put. A church is a group of believers. It's a family. It's a people. And, and today we're going to look at what the church truly is and our role as the church. If you are a part of a, the, uh, if you are a regular attender here, um, that doesn't automatically make you a part of our church. Sure, you might be a guest. I have all kinds of people that come to my home, okay? Uh, how many of you have been to my home? Good number of you. That's great. You know how we can tell who our family is and who our, our extended family is? Uh, and at our home, our, our family and those of you who we consider family, our church family, uh, you're a little different in a good way, okay? But when someone comes to my house who isn't a regular comer, who isn't a real part of the family, what do they do at my house? Who said it? Yep, a lot of you just said it. They knock. If you are not a part of my family, if you're not a part of the regular people that come to my house, you knock. It's weird for us to hear a knock at our door. Most people just walk right on in because that's the kind of environment we want. We want you to know that our home is your home. Please come. Anytime you need something, uh, any, what, night, or t- night or day, except after midnight, you know, we lock the door and we'd like to get a few hours of sleep. 
But our place is your place. We want it to be a family. We want it to be a place where we can say welcome home because our home is your home. And that's what we want you to understand about the kingdom of God and the church. It's a home. It's a church family. And, and as a family needs one another, we as a church need one another to love each other, to care for each other, to support one another. And sometimes there are things like chores that need to be done, as I already talked about a little bit. I mean, there are some chores I enjoy, and there are some chores that you enjoy. And in the church, there are certain things that need to be done, like setting up tents and cones and signage and some taking care of babies. And, 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 and it's great that, that that family, that mother and two daughters who came to our Christmas service is already serving. They found a way to serve our church body uh, by helping in our preschool program. There is a place for everyone, and we want you to find your place. And Jesus said it like this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will raise up workers of the harvest. And so that's what we want you to do. We want to have a couple things happen. We want you to realize that this is, this is home, and we want to get the home ready for the holidays. I know at my house, we get out the best best plates. They get dusted off. We set out the, the nice, pretty uh, Thanksgiving decor. Uh, we, we start hanging lights and, and, and decorating trees and getting things. To, and that's what we want to do together as a church family. Let's get ready. A lot of people will come and visit Hope Hill Church this time of year that they wouldn't other times of year. Statistically, more people visit church during holiday seasons like Christmas and Easter. Let's take advantage of that. Let's get ready to let these people know that we love them. We're glad they're here. We want this to become a home for them as well. And if you're visiting today, we're glad you're here. And we hope that you'd consider making this your church home. So where does this come from? Where does this idea of the church being a family and not a, not a building, not an organization, where does this come from? Well, it comes from the Word of God. I'm going to take us on a journey through a a handful of scriptures. If you have notes this morning, uh, I've provided them for you because I'm going to fly through a bunch of these and I want you to see them. Uh, if you don't have notes, we have some extras that we can pass out. So just raise your hand and Donna's standing in the back holding up some notes right now. She'll bring them to you. So just leave your hand up until she gets to you. I see hands all over the place. Um, uh, so leave your hands up and, and she'll get to you. But I'm going to go ahead and dive in. We're going to start in Acts chapter 2. We looked at this passage a month or so ago because it's the beginning of the church. And if we want to know what the church is, it's a good idea to look in the Bible to see how it began. In Acts chapter 2, what we see is Jesus had taken those fishermen that he had met in Luke chapter 5, and he had sent them out into the deep parts of the waters of their lake, and they caught fish when they cast out their nets. And he said, from here on out, I want to make you fishers of men. And so he spends three years with them, not just going to something called a church, but being the church with them, living life with them, going through the ups and downs with them, rubbing elbows with them, just spending time with them and loving on them and showing them how to love on others. And at the end of three years, Jesus went to the cross because that's the reason he came. He came to die for us. Uh, we are a sinful, lost, broken people, and because of sin, we had a debt that needed to be paid. We could not pay it, and so Jesus, out of his great love for us, said, I have come to pay your debt. I have come to give up my life in exchange for yours. 
I have come to die. And so he died on the cross. His blood was shed as the ultimate sacrifice to cover the sins of the world, of those who would put their hope and faith and trust in him and receive his forgiveness and his love. He gives those the right to become members of his family, children of God. This is the church. And so Peter got up and he started teaching these things. And as he taught the large crowds that were in Jerusalem that day on this time of Pentecost, many heard his words and believed. Look at verse 41 and following. Those who accepted his message, that, that, that means believed, they accepted it, they put their faith and trust in it. Those who accepted his message were baptized. Baptize, baptism was a way of identifying yourself with the, with, the, with the way of believing. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist's cousin. When people put their faith in Jesus, they were baptized. Jesus went to the cross, and the beautiful thing is he didn't stay there. He died, he was buried. Three days later, he rose again victorious over sin and death. And when we're baptized, the Bible says that we identify with Christ being buried, going under the water, buried in our sins, and raised to walk in new life. And so those who accepted this message, and you know what? In order to accept the message, they had to hear a message, right? Peter was the deliverer of the message. And now we need deliverers of the message today, not just professional speakers who are paid to be pastors, but you all as well. We are called to go like the Samaritan woman. For those of you who know the story, she came to know Jesus. Jesus changed her life. She went back to town and she told everyone about the man who changed her life forever. In the same way, you have a message to tell. And as you tell that message, some will choose to believe in that message. How many of you have ever had the opportunity to share your faith story, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone, and, and they received it and became believers? Anyone out there? Awesome. Praise God. We want each of you to have the opportunity to experience something like that. And yeah, that may feel for some of you a little scary, but we want to be a place where we encourage you and equip you and, and enable you to be able to do that. Those who accepted his message were then baptized. About 3,000 were added to them on that first day. And they were added to their number. Circle that phrase. If you have your Bible open, circle these key parts. If you're taking notes, write this down. Added to their number. They didn't just come and say, oh, yeah, we'll believe that. Now we're on our way. No, they became a part of that family. They were added. They were. This is the idea of church membership. They weren't just casual attenders listening on from a distance about what these people did, how they worshipped, the stories they told. They were added, they joined the group, and they committed themselves to the teachings. They devoted themselves to the discipleship. When Jesus taught, it wasn't just sit down and listen to these lessons, now I'm going to test you. It was about living. It was about him sending them out two by two, even putting them up against challenges that they couldn't deal with on their own. Challenges that needed extra prayer and fasting and their reliance upon Christ himself. Jesus lived life making disciples. And those who believed and heard these things started to commit themselves to those things. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted, they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. And to fellowship, circle that word fellowship. 
fellowship is not just like all fun and games. Fellowship is being with each other in the highs and the lows, in the struggles, having somebody's back, being a shoulder to lean on, being someone to help uh, in times of need. There are two families we're aware of in our church. It, how many of you were cold last night? Anybody woke up cold? It, it's been getting cold, right? The winter's coming. Two families in our church. Furnaces are dead. Uh, furnaces aren't cheap. And they've let us know we're praying that God will help provide. We're going to do what we can, but we can't cover all of it. Um, and so the Bible tells us that they cared for one another. Another part of this passage says that some even sold their belongings to care for the needs of others. If, if God lays on your heart to help one of these families in need with their furnace, uh, you can write a check to the church and we'll make sure it gets right to them and we'll help take care of that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread. This is communion. This is us remembering what Christ did for us at the end of our services. We typically have communion before tables in the corner. It's a place where you can remember and worship out of remembrance of what Christ did for us. And he gave up everything, and we give back to him our tithe. There's a basket on each table as well if you would like to give offerings at the end of service. But they met together breaking bread, praying for one another. And verse 46 says, every day they continued to meet together. How often? Every day. Church is not something we go to. It is who we are. We don't just go to church for an hour on Sunday. We are the church seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And they carried this identity into their everydayness. And how they worked, how they shopped, how they lived with their neighbors, they were transformed members of the family of God. They were the church. And they met with each other often. They met corporately at times in the temple court. Like we do, it's important. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 tells us, do not neglect the assembly of coming together. And so whether you're coming together here in your small groups and homes, meeting one together face to face is, is important. We do that as a family. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together. Our small groups are the way that we gather together in our home. A number of you have joined a community group. Some of you have started a new group. Uh, some of your groups, they're growing. They're pregnant. And we might have some baby groups in the, in, in the near future. Um, but this is what it means to be the church. It isn't just a program. It isn't just sing, singing a few songs, hearing some guy teach or some woman teach. It isn't just that. The church is who you and I are. Let me give you that definition again. A church is a group of baptized believers who have joined together in a commitment to help each other fulfill God's purposes for their lives. I'll give it to you one more time. A church is a group of baptized believers who have joined together in a commitment to help each other fulfill God's purposes for their lives. We have a purpose. We have a mission. Genesis chapter 12, Abraham was told, you are my chosen person. I'm going to make of you a chosen nation. I'm going to bless you so that you will bless the nations. That is the purpose of the church, to be a blessing to the nations. So 
that was my intro. I'm going to cover the other 14 points in the next five minutes, okay? Here we go. Why is the church so important? Let's dive in. I'm going to give you seven reasons quickly why the church is so important. Number one, the church is God's family. It's not an institution. It's not a religion. It's not a building. It is a family. 1 Peter uh, 1.3 tells us, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. How are you a part of a family? By being born. How many of you have had a new member added to your family recently? We had a few babies. We have a few babies on their way. They will naturally become a part of a family. Jesus told Nicodemus, it's, it's, it's normal and natural for you to be born of flesh. But to be born of the kingdom of God, you must be born again. It is not something that's just naturally assumed. Last week, we talked about Josh. He's not here. He's been kicked out of the family. Oh, he's just gone back to college. Yeah. Uh, Rodney and Therese, uh, they are believers. And they gave birth to Josh. That did not make Josh a natural, a normal, automatic member of the family of God. Josh had to, on his own time, come to a point of realizing his own need for a Savior and call out to God to be his Lord. And that is when he was born again. We have been given the privilege and the mercy to become a part of God's family. 1 Timothy 3.15 says this, if I am delayed, you will know how people you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. God's household is not made of brick and mortar and sticks and mud. It is the people of God. We are the household of God, a family. The God's household, it goes on to say, which is the church of the living God. And is the pillar of foundation and truth. It is the support that we need in our lives. The church is here to support you spiritually. It's here to support you practically. It's here to help you in your times of need and to celebrate with you in your times of joy. We need one another as the church. Number two, it's the reason God created the universe. What are you talking about, John? Do you know that sun out there, the moon and the stars? You know why they were made? Before any of them were made, God thought of you. Do you realize that? All that we see was made because he loves us and wanted his family to enjoy his creation. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be a part of his family, to be his praise to be in relationship with him. It goes on to say that he predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters. God wanted a family. And so he made for us a home in the form of this universe. I can't wait to one day be able to experience it like God initially created. God is going to make every, he's going to restore everything. Sin came and Creation was cursed. You and I struggle with sin, but there's going to be a day in our future when all is made new again. And I can't wait to go and explore Mars and Saturn and be a real Han Solo 
can't wait for that day to come. Number three, God has a purpose for his church. He is using his church for his eternal purpose. Ephesians 3.10 says this, God's intent was that now through the church, circle that phrase, through the church, God's intent now is through the church that the things of God, the manifold wisdom of God, the truth of God, the love of God, everything that God has to offer through the church, that it would be made known to all, to all the world. But look what it also says, to also the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. God even wants the angels to know his mission, his purpose, his love, his message through what happens in the church. The angels don't even understand salvation, the Bible tells us. They long to understand why did God, why did we've given them so many chances? I wonder that about myself oftentimes. But God's hope is that everything that he is, how much he loves us, would be revealed through us. So that's why we're going out and knocking on doors and passing out bags of candy and pies over the years and blessing jars because we are God's plan A to reach this world through the church. Number four, how many of you are collectors? Any collectors out there? Anybody have a collection of something valuable? Raise your hand if you got, anybody got something that's worth at least $1,000 in your collection? Oh, a couple. Anybody have something worth 5000 10000 Seriously? Anybody got something worth like 50000 Are there any hands up? 10000 is pretty awesome. I have a couple things not worth that much, but every once in a while a college bill will come due and I'll sell it. Okay? And you know how I determine how much it's worth? I look at what people are willing to give for it. So I'll do some research. I'll look at a price guide. I'll go to eBay, and I'll see what it's selling for. And then if I'm really desperate, I'll sell just under. Or if I want to try and get all of that, I'll be patient. But you know how to determine something's value? To look at how much some, someone is willing to give for it. You know how much the church matters? Look at Ephesians chapter 5. This is in the middle of God telling husbands and wives how to love one another. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. How much did Christ love the church? He gave himself for it. He died for the church. Number four is a church is important because there's nothing else that matters this much to God. Jesus died for his church. Just as Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it, to present her to himself as a radiant church, a bride, without stain or wrinkle or blemish, but holy and blameless. We are worth to Jesus everything. He gave up his life for you and for me. Number five, the church is the only thing on earth that will last forever. Nothing else will last forever. Everything else that you see and know will, will pass away. Even the mountains and the valleys and the oceans will all be made new. We will have a new heaven and a new earth, the Bible tells us. 
but the church will last forever. In the book of Ephesians, again, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. In 1 Thessalonians 4, after that, we who are still alive, this is referring to a time yet to come when Jesus will rapture all of those who are a part of his family, bring them up to himself. After that, all we who are alive will be left and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord forever, and we will be with him forever. Verse uh, Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said to Peter, I will build my church. Jesus is saying, I will build my family. I will build my church. And the gates of hell will never overcome it. The church will last forever. Number six, the only group big enough on this earth to solve global problems is the church. I know a lot of people, they look to government programs, they look to welfare, they look to good deeds organizations, the Peace Corps. There are a lot of great efforts out there, a lot of great organizations. But the number one organization who should be loving the world is the church. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. God wants to do great work more than we can imagine through us. I was watching the news uh, a couple years ago during these devastating tornadoes that hit Oklahoma. And one of the local officials was being asked, so how are you getting by all these families without uh, the basic necessities being met? What's going on? We, we understand the government's not been able to get here yet. How are you doing? And he said, we're doing, we're actually doing really good because the local churches have already responded. The church had already started showing up. Before the government was there, before any uh, set-apart disaster relief programs had showed up, the church was already there doing its job. God put us here, not just to worship, not just to huddle together in our own private little group, but to be light in the midst of darkness to be salt in this world. And salt's no good if it stays in the salt shaker. So we get out of our buildings because the building's not a church. We're the church. And we've been put on this world to make a difference and to lead others to Jesus. Number seven, the greatest privilege in life is to be a part of God's church, part of God's family. And again, 1 Peter 1, we're reminded in his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? In the Old Testament, God lived in this tent, this temple that would be set up and, and people would go into the innermost part of it, the Holy of Holies, to meet God. But God says, now I live in you. When Jesus died on the cross, the curtains that separated the temple that only certain people could enter. They were torn from the top down. God's way of saying, I don't live in this tent. I don't live in this building. I now live in the hearts of my family. I live in you. You are now God's dwelling place. 
Praise be to our God. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? We are each, the Bible says, stones built together with Jesus being our chief cornerstone. And together we are the body of Christ, the church, the family of God. And there's no greater privilege than to be a part of God's family. So, over the next two months, six weeks, however long it is, we want this to be a place where people feel welcome. We want them to feel this way all the time. But we want them to feel welcome, loved. If you're here today visiting, we hope that you'll come back. If you're not a member of a church family somewhere, we want you here. We want you to get on mission with us. We want you to, to, to share in life's joys and wins together as well as be here to support one another in our struggles. And there are five things that we're going to look at doing together. And these are your last five on the back of your sheet. Number one, we're here for five purposes as a church. I'm going to give you these quickly. We're here to worship God corporately and together. These Don't fill these blanks in because these aren't your answers to the blanks. I'll give you those in a minute. We're here to worship God in everything we do, in the songs we sing, in the ways that we bless others. We're here to worship. We're here to fellowship, caring for one another, taking care of one another. We're here for discipleship, growing in one another, getting out and challenging each other, holding each other accountable, building each other up. And we're here to do ministry, to find a place and a way to serve with one another. And number five, to be on mission, God's mission. So being a part of church will give you these five benefits, accomplishing those five things. One, it'll help you focus on God. That's your first blank. It'll help you focus on God. It'll help you to see him for who he is. We'll see him in the lives of others that he places around us. We'll see him working and, and, and helping us care for one another and the miracles he'll do in each other's lives. Number two, it'll help me face life's problems through fellowship with one another, leaning on each other, caring for one another. And number three, it'll help me fortify my faith. Through being a part of this church, you can grow in your faith. You can join our classes. You can be a part of our community groups. You can serve in our Hope House or on our ministry teams. These, these are all part of the process of discipleship. Number four, it'll help you find your place in ministry. Some of you are great with babies. Others of you are great with pushing buttons on soundboards. Others of you, you're great at welcoming people as they walk in. Others of you, you're good at caring for the poor and the needy. There are tons of ways that we all have been gifted to serve, but we're all to do it for the common good of one another. You using your gifts to help me in my strengths, me helping my gifts to help in my weaknesses. You get what I mean? Your strengths helping my weakness and my strengths helping your weakness and vice versa. Us helping one another at number five, it'll help us fulfill my life's mission. Each of us have a mission. It is to be a part of God's mission. And he has uniquely wired you to live your life your way. Nobody else can do the things that God has planned for you to do. And he has a great mission, a great purpose for you. 
this season, my hope is that you embrace that mission, that you embrace the calling that God has put in your life to be an ambassador, a sent one, to go to where you go to school, where you work, to go to your neighborhood, to go to where you hang out, wherever you do your hobbies or your sports, and you realize that you are there as a cleverly disguised missionary. How many teachers in the room? How many Pentagon workers in the room? How many of you are government contractors? How many of you do something else? Okay. All of those things are your, dis- that's your secondary calling. Your first calling is in whatever you do. As a teacher, as a doctor, as a lawyer, as a soldier, you are first a missionary. God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. That's his purpose and plan for this church, for you, his church family. And he wants others to become a part of this family. God is in the adoption business. And there are a lot of people out there who do not yet know him as father. And it's our job to help them see him by us loving on each other, caring for one another. It's in those times that they will see how we love each other and our good works and come to know him, our father in heaven. Let's pray. If you're here this morning and you're visiting and new, I'm kind of glad you came today because you got to see kind of what we're really about. Uh, And we hope that you feel encouraged and will continue this journey with us, considering us as your church family. For those of you who are here today and maybe you've never really understood the church the way I describe it. Maybe you're not sure where you stand with God. Are you a child of God or not? Well, the Bible says it this simple. That if you believe that he died for you, if you know that you are have struggled with, with sin and are separated from him because of your sin, and you believe that he went to a cross in your place, the Bible tells us that if you believe in him and if you accept his forgiveness in your life, at that very moment, He makes you a child of his own. Now, yes, children need to grow, and there will be a season of you growing closer in your relationship with him, but there's nothing magical that needs to happen beyond you simply believing and receiving. Believing in him as Lord, receiving him into your life, and saying, God, I want to follow you. I want you to come in and make me new. I want to believe in you, Jesus, as my Savior. Come into my life. Help me to follow you. Father God, I pray right now for those in this room who may be becoming a member of your family for the first time this very moment. They're putting their faith and trust in you. They are being born again. I thank you. I celebrate that for them, for those decisions that are being made. God, I also pray for those in this room who already know you. They already know that they're a child of God, a member of your family, a member of this church. So, God, I pray that you remind us, encourage us, and help us to get busy about doing the mission you've set out for us. To take your love to this world. To bring them back in so that they can become a part of this family. Or to get plugged into another part of a local church where they can be a part of the family of God there. We know that there are many churches, but one body. You are our Father, and we are all your children. 
parents or whether they're plugged in here or another um, church, we don't care. We just want them to know you. And so, God, help us to do our part to lead others to you. 